This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. We want to welcome our campuses that are joining us live now as well, the campus at Appleton and Stevens Point, and those of you that are joining us online, good to have you a part of our service this morning. Could I invite us all to stand together here at the Green Bay campus and our campuses in Stevens Point and Appleton, and let's recite the Apostles' Creed. It's our statement of faith here at Celebration Church. Would you join with me as we declare this together? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, celebration, and greetings from the islands of Hawaii. We are on Waikiki Beach in the background on the island of Oahu. Uh, as uh, most of you know, usually in the winter time in January and February, I get invited to places like Northern Canada or, or Minnesota or Fargo, North Dakota. Is that a place? Yeah, Fargo. We're going to Fargo in February. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not going to escape it. Anyway, I always think, why can't we go somewhere warm in January? Well, last year we got a request from not one, not two, but actually three different churches and said, would you please come and speak during January in Hawaii? And I said, I don't know, let me pray about it. Yes, of course. And so we came. Now, we were last week on the big island of Hawaii, and we were in a little town called Hilo, uh, which is like on the windward side of the island, which means when the wind comes off the Pacific, it rolls up in clouds and dreary and drizzly all the time. You drive 45 minutes, you get to the leeward side of the island where it is dry. It's amazing how quick everything changes uh, and warm and sunny. So we were there for a week. Then we came here to Oahu. Uh, on Friday night, we spoke for the military, military chaplains on the Pearl Harbor uh, Aviation Museum. It was very, very cool. And spoke with them and connected with them and had a great time. Sunday night, last night, I had to speak two times at, not had to, I got to speak two times at New Hope Church, a big church here on the island. And this morning I will speak an additional three more times at the same church. Five services. That's a lot of preaching. All right, and then tomorrow night, Monday, and then Tuesday we'll be doing the seminar. When we're done with that, we go to the final island, which is the Garden Island of Kauai for a final 
ministry there at another church and we'll send you greetings from there next week. Anyway, we just wanted to say hi to you guys. Appreciate your prayers and support. And I know it's very cold there <laughs> and you all hate us because we're in a nice place, but it's temporary. Yeah, remember, usually I go to Canada. So we're getting a break this year. Uh, this morning, Pastor Joe is going to be bringing the message. I've known Joe since I was 17 years old, back at the end of the 18th century. And uh, we've been great friends. He's been a wonderful uh, minister here at Celebration. So please welcome him this morning as he comes to bring the message. And we'll see you again next week. Aloha! Bye! Yes. Pastor Mark, 75 degrees, tropical, us, 4 degrees, not tropical. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? Uh, anyway, nobody had to put me in a hammerlock to, to, to live in Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin. Don't you love Wisconsin? <laughs> Even at 2 degrees, I still love this state. Uh, so, those of you who are here, I'm glad that you could make it today. It's good to be here together on Sunday morning, worshiping Jesus together. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, 21 days of prayer that we are doing. It's our third time doing our journey of prayer for 21 days at Celebration Church, and it's always an amazing time because uh, we are intentionally seeking God together, and we are kind of upping our game in our relationship to God and uh, so that's a key part of it. My relationship to God, your relationship, is the most important thing about you. It is the most important. Not your social status, not your job status, not your finances. Uh, in the end, at the end, all that is going to matter is my relationship to God. Because it's going to be just you and him standing at the end. During my time on earth... It is important then to communicate with the most important being in the universe. He is the source of all of our life. He gives us endless hope when everything else turns dark. The Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being. All of creation is literally immersed in God. And into this reality, God comes to us and says, I'd like to speak with you. And I would like you to speak with me. Call to me and I will answer you, which is our opening verse this morning out of Jeremiah chapter 33. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Now, we all have a God awareness that's hardwired into us and which makes sense because we are made in the image of God. And when that wall between us and God is broken down, our God awareness, which some can be, sometimes can be kind of a vague thing, all of a sudden becomes clear and we develop a relationship awareness. That was non-existent before. God awareness becomes relationship awareness. It's kind of like this. Boy A is in the same sophomore history class as girl A. He is aware of girl A, then he notices her. He works up the courage to ask her to prom. She accepts. They go to prom and dance and maybe hold hands. And then boy A and girl A are really never the same. Why? Well, because there's a relationship now. Uh, they took the time to meet 
and then to talk with each other, and then a relationship developed. So he was aware of her before. Now it's a relationship. Uh, <laughs> I met Kate online. Three cheers for online dating. Uh, her profile online created a Kate awareness in me. It didn't exist before. That for, uh, we met for the first time and spent four hours together just talking. And out of that four hours grew more dates and more talks and then love grew. And then we got married. And it's all good. And it's, so, amen. Three cheers for online dating. So, uh, but uh, now I can tell you that I'm very aware of Kate. And uh, she's more than a picture or a name to me, right? Uh, we have a relationship now, and that's growing. So Kate awareness developed into relationship awareness. It's awesome. Right, Kate? <laughs> Our relationship to God is the same way. God awareness, we know he's out there somewhere, right? And then relationship awareness, when the walls are broken down. Problems come when we stop communicating because there is this entropy, this flabbiness that sets into our relationship when communication stops. When couples sit at the coffee shop and look at their phones instead of looking at each other. When TV becomes the default go-to for two tired people home from work at the end of the day and things drift and communication wanes and the next thing you know, somebody is even thinking and maybe saying, I'm not sure if I love him anymore. And he's saying, I'm not sure if I love her anymore. <clears throat> and so love dries up when communication dries up. God does not start a relationship with me just so I can spend the rest of my life ignoring him. His intention is unequivocal. He aims to communicate with me every day about everything. Anything less than that is to him a ritual. It is not a relationship. Picture sitting down with your spouse at the end of the day, you're sitting at the dinner table, and you read to your spouse off of a script. Hello, darling. I love you. How was your day? What's for dinner? What's on TV? You know, we don't do that. We recite the Lord's Prayer on Sunday morning. We just did. It's a great outline for conversation with God, but it is certainly nothing more than that. Don't make something sacred out of the Lord's Prayer. It's an outline. It's not think that God just wants a scripted conversation with us. That is not a relationship. God is not after that. One hope I have for all of us here during these 21 days of prayer is that we discover that prayer is conversation with God, the God who is actually there, which brings us to the most difficult part of prayer. The biggest reason we don't pray is because we have these five senses and they combine with our intellect, and those things consistently tell us that God is not there. Natural thought tells me that it makes no sense to speak to someone 
who I can't see, I can't hear, I can't feel. It makes more sense to learn from and communicate to someone or something that is tangible and present. You can feel it, it's audible, it's visual. All these things because the invisible spiritual world seems so outside of our grasp. We just can't get our head around it. So for prayer to work, I have to answer three questions. First, is God real? Second, does he want to talk to me? And third, do I want to talk to him? If the answer is yes to those three, well, well then it's time for you to experience prayer because you're going to be talking to the greatest being in the universe. He's amazing. To simplify this, prayer is a conversation. Have you ever seen that movie with James Stewart called Harvey? Anybody seen Harvey? Anyway, he begins to introduce everybody to his invisible friend, Harvey, who happens to be a six-foot-three-inch rabbit. And nobody can see Harvey except Stewart in the movie. He'll be sitting at a dinner table, or he's at a bar, or they're walking down the street, or he's in a taxi, and he's conversing with an unseen rabbit. He's crazy, maybe. James Stewart won an Oscar for his performance in this. How did he do that? Because he actually gets you to start believing that Harvey's really there. It's really good. I was going to show you a clip about it this morning. I showed the clip this morning during first service and Facebook kicked us offline because the, the clip was copywritten. Oops. So I'm not going to show that clip, but go home and rent the movie. Pay NBC for the movie. They'll be happy. So we underestimate the influence of our five senses, don't we? And our intellects and people who don't believe, they all combine. They insist that God is not there, that it makes no sense to speak to someone. I cannot see, I cannot hear him. And the pressure to disbelieve or to dismiss the thought of a prayer-answering God, it's almost too much for us to resist. We get discouraged. And that's why we don't pray. We don't pray because we don't believe or because we're being influenced by people who don't believe. It is the unseen God, however, who says this. He insists on this. Call to me, and I will answer you. Not maybe, not I might, if I feel like it. If you call to me, I will answer you. So if you feel weak in prayer today, if you have a hard time believing that God would have any reason at all to listen to your prayers, you are in good company because we all have the same problem. Human intellect, natural reason, powerful emotions, all scream to us. They insist to us. There is no God. He's not listening. Forget it. So how do you get through all that noise? Well, let's just say that you can't think it away. You can't wish it away. It's there. There has to be a transformation in you and me if something's going to happen. God has got to create something inside of you that is not there. We call it faith. But before there is faith, there has to be the beginning of a conversation, which will happen in one of two ways. Either God will initiate the conversation, or he will help you to initiate the conversation. 
But he's not going to do nothing because God knows the most important thing for you to do in your life is learn how to communicate with him. Let's just say God chooses to initiate the conversation. Here's how that happens. You don't believe. You don't care about God. You live as if God doesn't exist. But he cares so much for you, he initiates the conversation. Now, it might start in many different ways. It could start in a gentle way, uh, like maybe a, a kind word from a friend when you're in, in real trouble. Or maybe the conversation with God starts in a doctor's office. Sir or ma'am, we've found a mass on your kidney. Or maybe in the midst of imminent danger. Maybe the conversation starts with a pink slip at work. So God speaks through these kinds of circumstances and he's saying, hey, hey, John, Mary, hello, may I have your attention? I'd like to have a conversation. How about that? C.S. Lewis described these moments as God's sledgehammer. Anybody had that happen? That's when God initiates a conversation. Now, he can either start with a whisper or a sledgehammer. It's up to you. <laughs> I mean, you don't really. Uh, if you're paying attention, maybe God doesn't need to use a sledgehammer. The other way that a conversation can start is if you initiate it. All of a sudden, due to circumstances beyond your control, the kind that we've just mentioned, you use the word God. Or maybe you use the phrase, oh God. Or maybe you'd like to stretch that phrase out just a little bit more. Oh God, help me. If you've ever spoken those primitive words where you've initiated the conversation, it's probably because you were in a lot of trouble. Orchestrated in such a way that you, being at the end of your emotions, with no other resort said, oh God, help me. For many of us, that's how our life of prayer begins. It is how we initiate the conversation many times with the words, Oh God, help me. The infamous Jewish executioner, Saul of Tarsus, had just such an experience while he was traveling to Damascus. He was going to Damascus to arrest Christians and put them in prison. And God appeared to him. Acts chapter 9 says, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? We call that a sledgehammer. Check out his response. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And thus began Saul's real prayer life. God matched him. Power for power, will for will, and Saul was instantly outmatched. God initiated this conversation. Saul wisely responded, and so this conversation with God was initiated. It began, who are you, Lord? Because he thought he knew him, but he didn't. And so now he's asking. That is a prayer. Pretty short, pretty clueless, pretty clumsy, for a highly educated, theologically trained man like Saul. But it got the conversation going all right. And for Saul, the sledgehammer proved very, very effective. Saul really didn't believe in anything except himself. 
in his own stuffy religion. He sure didn't believe in God. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> he's having this actual, literal, bona fide conversation with a being that he could not see. All prayer starts this way, you guys. Conversation with a God that we cannot see, but who introduces himself to us anyway. It starts with brokenness and humility that leads to an actual conversation. And so you guys, Harvey wants to have a talk with you. As you get in the habit of speaking with the unseen God over months and years, the conversation will get better, it gets deeper, it gets more meaningful. And you discover that here is somebody who hears me right now. Every time I speak with him, he hears me. And he has this uncanny ability to put into motion the things that I'm asking for. It's kind of like you don't need to explore the dumpster out behind the candy factory because your dad owns the candy factory. And as that relationship develops, you discover something amazing called intercession or intercessory prayer. Praying to God on behalf of other people, which is a huge part of our 21 days of prayer here at Celebration. Praying to God, interceding on behalf of other people. And intercession is everywhere in the Bible. Jesus introduced the Apostle Peter to this concept. Luke chapter 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, I've interceded for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And later that same Peter was imprisoned in Jerusalem for preaching about Jesus. And Acts chapter 12 says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Whoa, Peter, always on somebody's prayer list. <laughs> always getting in trouble. First he's on Jesus' prayer list, and then he's on the church's prayer list. He's a busy guy, kind of like the evil Knievel of the first century church. Just calamity everywhere. Aaron, the brother of Moses and the high priest of Israel, led Israel into idolatry while Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. So Moses up in the mountains, Aaron's down there with the people, and he led them into idolatry in Moses' absence. And Moses wrote this in Deuteronomy 9, And the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him, but at that time, I prayed for Aaron, too. Moses prayed for his brother. <laughs> God, please don't kill my brother. He's a doofus. <laughs> please don't kill him. Have mercy. Here's what we know from the New Testament regarding our relationship with other people. We are assigned the duty of carrying carrying other people's burdens. You have to carry people. And this can manifest in many different ways, but it's talked about in Galatians chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The best way to do that is to intercede for people. Intercede for somebody who needs your prayers. And we carry their burdens by carrying them to God. Ask God to intervene in a situation for a person, even if it means they, they, they may need a miracle, 
So pray for a miracle. Ask that God be glorified in their lives because maybe they've wandered or strayed from God over, over time or maybe they're self-destructing and their behavior is, is not what you would call Christian behavior. Well, maybe they've grown careless in their attitude toward God. Pray for them. Then ask God, what are you teaching me through these prayers for this person? We're always learning something in our prayers. Then God asks, uh, ask God to infuse your family with faith and to trust him and to trust in his character. Why? Because people wander and stray from their faith. I've even seen where people start to think God doesn't even care about them anymore. He, he does care for them, but sometimes they need to be reintroduced to the love of God, the care for God, the mercy of God. And so pray for that to happen. And finally, Realize that God will do so much more than you can imagine, what you can ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him, Paul wrote, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. When you pray for somebody, understand that God wills more good for them than anything that they could ever imagine. Ask God to pull out all the stops on a person, all of the love and healing and restoration and mercy and provision that they can possibly handle. Your enthusiasm for someone else in your prayers means something to God. Be excited for people. They mean as much to God as you do. Pray for them that way. Also, just please know that intercession, intercessory prayer for someone is going to cost you something. First of all, it's going to cost you time. Intercessory prayer just takes time. To get started, it means that I decide to intentionally set aside time in my day for God in prayer. That means prayer, it can mean study, it can mean journaling. Uh, start small and then let your experience grow. Try four days a week. 10 minutes a day. That's a total of 40 minutes a week spent with the most amazing person in the universe. 40 minutes a week. Unlike your congressman or senator who are both out of the office today and still getting paid for it, God will be there listening. You don't have to send a letter to Washington. You don't have to make a phone call to Washington. He's always there ready. And, here's your, and here you're bypassing Washington and you're going straight to the top, man. You're going to get more done in 40 minutes of prayer per week than anyone would ever get done over a lifetime of phone calls and letters to Washington, D.C. I'm serious. Finally, it's going, to, uh, it's going to take some energy, too, on your part. And by energy, I mean desire, emotional energy. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 2, My eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground. There is an emptying of his emotions in this prayer. Psalm 30, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Again, an emptying of emotions through weeping. And then 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul wrote, Night and day we pray most earnestly, that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. We earnestly pray for you. That is an emptying of emotion, and it costs us something. It costs 
emotional energy. It might cost me sleep. It may be that I'm awakened in the middle of the night and early in the morning and somebody or something's on my heart and I just need to pray. I've got to pray and lift him up to God. And I, I might lose sleep as I spend time doing that, but sometimes that's the cost of intercessory prayer. It's certainly going to cost me in the area of motives because prayer is always done in secret, most of the time anyway. And nobody's going to see you praying for them. It will be a spiritual transaction that's carried out only between you and God. Therefore, prayer has a way of purifying our motives because it's going to cost me not being noticed. It's strictly something I do in secret. Jesus even talked about it in Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's all, it's all done in secret, but that's okay. God sees it. Finally, intercessory prayer costs us patience. You may not see the results right away. Sometimes it can be years. There can be a space of time between the, the prayer that you utter and the answer in which we trust that God's heard us. He's working behind the scenes, but we just don't know when the answer is coming. Parents praying for kids or spouses praying for spouses or kids praying for parents. You know what that's like. Interceding on behalf of someone can really take some time. I prayed for my dad for 27 years. And he finally gave his heart to Christ a year before he passed away. Do you know who led my dad to Christ? His favorite caregiver, his favorite nurse at the nursing home led him to Jesus. She had been a wild child. And then she gave her life to Jesus and she began telling everybody at work what had happened in her life. Just a total blabbermouth. And she'd take dad to church with her. He didn't tell me that. She's take, his nurse was taking him to church with her every Sunday. He never went to church. I was very concerned for my dad and I visited him at the nursing home. She knew that I was a pastor so she just couldn't wait to tell me about her salvation. Oh, Joe, oh, Joe, you won't believe, you know. And I told her, you know, I've been really worried for dad's spiritual condition for a long time. She stopped me mid-sentence. Stop, stop, stop. You don't have to worry, Joe. Your dad's a Christian. I said, really? I don't know. He's never said anything to me about it. And she looks at me, she looks at me and she's like, really? Well, let's just go ask him right now. So she takes me by the hand. We go over to Dad sitting at the table in the dining room. Ed, Ed, she said, Joe's really worried for you. He's not sure you know the Lord. He's not sure you're going to heaven. The whole place is hearing her, you know. You're not sure you're going to heaven. Tell him, Ed, tell him you're a Christian now, right? And he kind of looked up, looked at me and kind of smiled. He said, well, yes, I am. I said, thanks a lot, Dad. Thanks for telling me. And that was that. A year later, one year later, I was driving through the Illinois cornfields on my way to his funeral. And I still wanted confirmation from God that Dad was okay. And so I was talking to God about it. Right outside of Metamora, Illinois, we drove past this huge barn with a huge sign painted over the whole roof of the barn. He is with the Lord. I kid you not. 
1 John 5.20. I'm like, did I just see that? <laughs> I did a double take. I couldn't believe it. How that sign appeared just as I was asking God about my dad. And God's going, hello? He's with me. It's okay. When we returned to Wisconsin after the funeral, I had to slow down when we came to that barn again. I just wanted to make sure I hadn't been hallucinating, you know. And there I was, still on the side of the barn, on the roof of the barn. He is with the Lord. Oh, man, that's so cool. So I had to ask, God, why did it take you 27 years <laughs> to get through to my dad to answer that prayer? I don't know. God hasn't told me why. But sometimes it does take time. And during that waiting period, you have to be patient and you have to persevere. People need prayer, you guys. Those stacks of prayer requests that we have from you for the last two weeks prove that people need prayer. You wouldn't believe how big the stacks are here from adults and children. There's a lot of heartbreak in our prayer requests that are turned in every Sunday. By the way, turn one in this morning. If you have your connection card, if you have a prayer request, be sure to write down your prayer request and turn it in when the offering is taken. We're going to be praying for you. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, God wants to initiate a conversation with you today. I don't know how it's going to happen. It's probably better if you listen to the whisper instead of the sledgehammer. But, but listen, he wants to start the conversation. And if you already have a conversation going on with God, then get going and start praying for some. Instead of just writing down your prayer request on the prayer card, why don't you come and pray for somebody else? We'll be here tomorrow morning, by the way, at 640, 6.30. <laughs> Ugh, 6.30. We're going to be here at 6.30 in the morning praying for people. That stack of prayer requests. I'd love to have you join us. I think it would be very meaningful for you. Or 6.45 on Wednesday evening. Uh, we'll be here as well. Uh, the needs written on these prayer request forms are just going to blow your mind. And they'll break your heart. But they're so important and so necessary for us as a church to learn how to pray and talk to God on behalf of our people. So remember, as you pray, as you talk to God today, you're not talking to Harvey. You're talking to Yahweh, a God who is literally there listening to every word, who is mighty to save. Amen? Call to me, he said, I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord, for your blessing on the word that's been sp spoken. And help us, Lord Jesus, to first of all initiate our conversations with you. And then second of all, to carry through and be faithful in prayer to others. We love you, Lord. And we thank you so much, God, this morning that you want to have that conversation with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we take, uh, prepare to take communion this morning, uh, I want to take a moment just to kind of help you initiate your conversation with God. Maybe there's something inside of you that is saying that you need forgiveness and you need peace with God. Uh, I, I'd like to say a prayer with you as we go ahead. Uh, something to help you kind of initiate this conversation. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. 
So if you know that it's time for you to surrender yourself to him, I want to ask you to please join me in this prayer as we bow our heads and close our eyes and say this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you love me so much you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.